0: Hi, my name is David Speed, and I'm Adam Brazier, and this is the Creative Rebels podcast,
1: featuring inspirational stories and practical advice from some of the most prolific and successful creators in the world.
0: Adam and I have co-founded multiple creative businesses and turned our varied passions into our careers.
1: There's never been a better time in history to make a career from being creative.
0: So many people will tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to show you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast welcome back rebels you didn't expect that did you all new music all new intro yeah it's exciting exciting is it exciting though because some people don't like change most people don't like change but people will get used to it yeah we're still the same two idiots so that hasn't changed so welcome back to
1: season two of creative rebels
0: yeah so you guys can obviously take a lesson from this always watch what we're doing as well as what we're telling you to do. Um, You will notice that, yes, this is series two, but we didn't have a break. There was still an episode last week. uh, And the whole reason that we called this series two is to make a big hullabaloo about it. We've been doing it for a year. And so make, make opportunities within your business to have a big song and dance about what you do. And there is no other reason for us launching Season 2 than or Series 2. I don't want to call it Season 2.
1: We're oh. British and let's
0: stick to Series 2. So
1: you, I'm full Season 2. Oh, God, Because no. everything I ever watch and consume is Seasons. And uh, iTunes calls it Seasons.
0: Well, let us know on Instagram, at Rebels Create, if you agree with me or with Adam. I believe it should be Series 2. And I, that's what I'm going to stick to. Um, but yeah, welcome to, to Series 2. And we've only called it Series 2 just to
1: get a load of um, attention. So season one was our first year of podcasting and now we're on to year two, so season two it is. Series two. Season two.
0: <laughs> so we decided to make a big bang and we're putting out three episodes today and they are some of my favourite episodes that we've, ever, that we've ever recorded. Yeah. And starting off with this episode one, uh, the year, one year anniversary
1: of last year our first guest was Emma Gannon. Now we're back with Emma Gannon for episode one of season two.
0: Yes, and in the first interview we did with Emma, we spoke a lot about her book, The Multi-Hyphen Method. We touch on it in this episode, but we don't really go into depth. So I want to take this opportunity to give that book a little plug. Um, I just think it's such an important book in
1: that work is changing so much yeah the whole landscape of the way things are going especially in london and bigger cities is so many more people are going into freelance gigs and kind of diversifying what they do so people now don't have to have a monday to friday nine to five they can have a monday to tuesday nine to five doing this and then spreading their work across the week in different ways working for different people doing different things i think it's a really nice way to be able to diversify your skill set
0: yeah and when you are a multi-hyphenate it's all about multiple income streams from different places not ever fully relying on one too much and with that it gives you a lot of extra security and we've had messages recently from quite a few messages actually from people who've just recently been let go from their jobs and i mean it's it's fucking wild west out there isn't it like people being let go and not given redundancy packages and just all of this kind of dodgy stuff that goes on but By being a multi-hyphenate, it's like if you are working three days a week in one place and then you've got your freelance photography that you're doing at the weekend and then you've just got lots of different options. It just
1: makes, if you do all of a sudden lose one of them, you've got something else that will then pick you up. Yeah, I suppose it's not putting all your eggs in one basket and realizing that if one does fall down, at least you've got the others to support it. And I think that's a really safe way to set yourself up. And one of the great things about multi-hyphenates
0: is I think that quite often, I mean, not always the case, but quite often, their different careers, their different jobs that they're doing all feed into each other and you can have this kind of nice cycle of things that work together.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. A lot of skills you can learn by doing one thing can really benefit in other other things, even if you don't realise that there is a mix there. So, for example, you're doing photography in one job and you're a graphic designer in another Like, there'll be ways that they can work together. Like, that's where creativity really succeeds when you get two things that seem like they shouldn't be together and mash them together. Some really great things can happen.
0: Always look at whatever it is that you do. Always look at the different ways there are to support yourself from doing that thing. Um, if you're a watercolour painter, I don't know why I've said that, but if you're a watercolour painter, then maybe you could. You can be selling prints, you can be selling originals, you can be teaching, you can be creating content about watercolours, you can be doing tutorials online. Like, there's so many different things. It doesn't just have to be one thing that you do.
1: While you are trying all of these different things, why not use the hashtag creative rebels? We've started to see a lot of people use it already this year. And it's really great to see everyone's work, to see all the things that you guys are doing because a lot of people who haven't reached out to us before are now using the hashtag so we can see who you guys are, which is really, really great. And some of the work you're doing is absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, and... If you guys go to Instagram, go to the little magnifying glass and search Creative Rebels and follow that hashtag, then you can see other people in our community who are creating amazing work. And I mean, if you're using that hashtag, you're guaranteed one extra like on yeah, everything we'll, that you post. You will definitely you're like gonna get it. one <laughs> like. So, I mean, that's, that's incentive uh, in itself. So, yeah, love that you guys are using that. Please continue to do so.
1: You can always reach out to us at Rebels Create, and we have our new website live. Yep. Which is co, And if you want to email us as well from now on, you can email connect at creativerebels.co.
0: So, yeah, you can head to rebelscreate.co to see the various ways that you can work with us. But for now, let's get into this episode. Emma is a podcaster, a speaker, a best selling author. She's a true multi hyphener. I mean, she should know. She wrote, she wrote the, wrote the book. book on it. <laughs> Emma's just written her first novel, which is called Olive and is available for pre order right now. And as well as her podcast control delete, Emma has just started hosting a new podcast called Some New Win. Emma is someone who's really followed her interests and made a career that's truly on her terms, which we think is pretty
1: inspiring. In this episode, we talk about turning 30, the Kardashians and having no regrets.
2: I would rather get rejected literally like 30 times in the next few years on projects I love than like literally be on my deathbed and be like, you didn't even try. Hi again, hello again.
0: Welcome back. A year yeah. on, hello. <laughs> one year. How's, how's your year been?
2: It's been good. It's it's funny because I've walked in, I've got deja vu, and I've been like, what was I feeling this time last year? But um, I've got to say, I get so many messages about my episode with you guys. Oh, amazing! And I've been on a few podcasts. I don't love being a guest. I prefer, in, you know, interviewing. But I loved your one, and I've had the most messages from that one. Oh no way! So I think it was a sign, it oh, was that's good, brilliant. and I enjoyed it. So I'm back.
1: Yay!
0: Well, we—it's
1: our most listened to episode. No way! We got our Spotify—well, on Spotify, definitely. Like we got the stats back the other day, and that came up as the number one.
2: That's really nice. Yeah, really, I got a good vibe. Amazing! And congratulations! Because Oh, oh, yes, you know that was the first episode you launched it. You've done like Apple live shows with Reggie Yates. Like you've had a great year.
0: Yeah, it's been good. Um, and like, we really want to thank you because you were you were definitely part of that because you...
2: It's like we've rehearsed this bit. Yeah, <laughs> We just want to thank each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but literally, I mean, I definitely had when you were coming in, I definitely knew I wanted to say thank you to you because I think we we knew that we wanted to launch at number one in order to like get people to actually listen to it, to to launch with a bang and we had kind of a list of people and like you were top of that list and as soon as we got you confirmed as a guest it made booking other guests easier um and just your willingness to kind of give us a shot in that because you know most podcasts don't last and sometimes people are asking you to come on your podcast and you're like well that's like about two hours of my time and if no one then listens to it it's not a good investment of your two hours Mm -hmm.
2: No, but I i mean, we spoke about this last time, but your emailing skills, because we'd never met. Yeah. And I read your email and I was like, I just need to meet this person. And oh, I don't yeah. think many people are that good at doing that.
0: Well, you know what? Maybe I'll share the email then so people can see I what should. I said in it. Yeah, um, I can't remember
2: it now, but. Yeah. Is
0: she,
1: is Emma, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Please come on and share. Yeah, we think you're so
2: right. <laughs> it was like the right balance of like, I'm actually doing cool stuff too, versus like, but what I mean is you it wasn't. I don't know we were on a bit of a level and it would we would have had a good chat
0: yeah 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 okay cool yeah well we'll share that then so yeah. people can get an idea of of how to because there is an art to emailing people and, yeah, yeah. and asking
2: yeah and not being too full-on but also like not being too vague yeah you yeah. should share it
0: yeah it's such a it's such a balance so you turned 30 this year
2: I did, and I can't stop banging on about it, which is like, I'm glad you brought it up because I keep walking to rooms and being like, I'm 30. Jim, um, <laughs> you, you still different. got a badge? Oh,
0: I'm 30, just wear that every day.
2: <laughs> but I, it's funny because I feel like it's a sign of take me seriously now. Like, I don't know, through my 20s, I always felt a bit, <sighs> whatever I was doing, I always felt like a silly 20 something. How old are you guys? Like, you're in your 20s. Whoa,
1: Whoa nice. thanks. You can come back on. <laughs>
2: 29 no, no. I'm mid 30s thir- I'm
1: 31
2: okay fine I'm not that far off I'm mid 30s okay fine that's a compliment mid, mid to late I have no <laughs> age radar like I was with someone the other day and I was like you know what it's like for us You know, just being in, you know, being 29 and she was like, I'm 45. (laughs) Like, you're that's quite, no, she didn't think it was patronising, but I was just a bit embarrassed. Um, But she was a compliment as well.
1: It might be a good time to go and get your eyes checked again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because this blurry
1: filter that's coming between us now is great.
2: Maybe it's like a weird thing where I'm like, our souls have no age and we're all just the same age. I love that, yeah. Um, I don't know. But anyway, being 30 um, sounds cliche, but I feel different. Um, I, I genuinely woke up on my birthday being like, I just feel excited about this decade in a new way. It sounds
0: like you've given yourself permission to be taken seriously.
2: I think so. And I don't know if I think I was ever like a victim of ageism. I don't think anyone ever pointed it out to me, but I was always really insecure about it. And I think I was doing some some stuff that I look back and think, wow, that's really cool that I did that when I was 22. But inside, I always felt like a bit of an imposter. And I think 30 has given me that permission to be like, I'm actually not an imposter. Like I've done this for 10 years now, and I think I know something now. And I'm still learning, obviously, but I feel like I'm I've made peace with myself of it. Yeah, nice. we
0: we were sort of struggling like, what gives us the right to start a podcast? Like, what do we know? Who who are we? And you have to. Yeah, you have to balance that with, yeah, well, I have been doing this for a long time. And I actually, yeah, maybe we do know what we're talking about. But it was definitely a, a process of building that confidence, I think. Definitely. What would you say to the the 20-somethings that are are struggling with that with that age thing?
2: Well Just wait. Yeah. <laughs> wait out. thought
1: it'll come soon enough, yeah. yeah.
2: I actually think it's just really refreshing because I'm really thankful to my 20-something self for putting myself out there, having like the reverse kind of confidence, like I had confidence even though I didn't know anything, which um, happens a lot, I think. When you're young, you feel yeah. so like, I can do that. And then now, although I feel happy with where I'm at, um, it's almost like I'm starting again. So I think you just have to go for it when you're in your twenties, but, um, but don't, don't beat yourself up if you feel like other people know a bit more than you, like we're all learning.
0: Yeah. One of the slides that we do in our talks when we go to universities is um, if you stop learning, you stop. Um, and it, and we kind of talk in that about how as soon as you leave uni, actually learning becomes really fun because you, it's on your own terms and yeah and yeah and you can learn about whatever you want to learn about
2: yeah, That's yeah great exactly I was, I was looking
1: into it and like uh, we was everyone makes a joke about it when I say it but. The, when you learn something you get the same kind of little chemical rush as you do with like alcohol and cigarettes Really? so it's like you get the endorphins of like your brain's like okay i'm getting better here i'm learning and you actually once you get into learning you kind of get addicted to it and it but becomes I think this i thing. am
2: yeah i think i'm definitely addicted
1: i think it because yeah because i think like when i started like reading books and kind of consuming more like personal development stuff yeah. i was like oh i'm loving this and now it's like it's now a part of my life that i wouldn't want to go away
2: Yeah I definitely have that. And also what I'm I'm not saying to anyone listening if you're in your 20s like you don't know anything. I think I actually did know stuff then. We're in a time where generationally we know different stuff. So like my 40 year old boss did know more than me about running a business but I might have known more about like Snapchat filters. I don't know that's such a (laughs) cliche stereotype but like I knew more about like weird little technology things that maybe they didn't know. But I think what I mean is getting older is fantastic and in a culture that um, really reinforces youth as a currency, because actually most women, I mean, I'm uh, who knows if they people agree with me, but like getting older is quite scary because culturally, like being like young and like having clear skin, um, actually like you get quite a lot in return for that in society, which is kind of gross. So getting older, you become more invisible. That's what a lot of people say when they reach a certain age. So... All I'm saying is 30 is great and 40 and 50 and 60 I think are just going to be it's going to carry on going I think mm-hmm. it's just oh so relaxing to like grow into yourself.
1: It's funny because like a lot of people that I watch on YouTube are over 30 and they're all the ones that people look up to and you don't kind of think about them as having an age but then when they mention it you're like oh shit you're actually like much older than me mm-hmm. and but I'm still like well to me, you're still like a kid because you're running around doing silly things all the time and like having fun.
2: Yeah.
0: I think the importance that we put on the age is so much more for ourselves than it is for any audience. Because I think if you're creating content that people resonate with and that they like, they don't care if you're green, black, white, blue, whether you're 100 years old, if you can help their life in some way. It's like I always say, people don't tune into this podcast because of how bloody hilarious and handsome we are. Like well. I mean, so that's <laughs> why you put
2: a video up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like the reason people tune in is because they know that they're gonna they're gonna hear an interview with someone that's possibly gonna help their life, help their career in some way. So, I think that's that's always gonna go. But they're not gonna go. Oh, those guys are old or young or anywhere in between of whatever that's just something you worry about yourself i think yeah, yeah. i always talk
1: about yeah. how you're always just that like a little bit further in your journey than someone else is, because someone else is just getting started now so if you've been doing it for six months you know more than someone who's just started so Literally. you can still teach people and it's like no matter what it is if i wanted to learn about i'm gonna do a really random thing now archery if i want to learn about archery then I could do that for six months and know way more than most people because most people have never done archery and I could start a blog on archery that would yeah. help loads of people because yeah. I'm already further along than they are because I've just done the research already.
2: Totally. I, there's a there's a page in the multi-hyphen method about how I believe like, anyone can be an expert in something and like I thought that would get more backlash. I'm not saying like by the way I'm a brain surgeon on the side like I don't think it's possible to like dip into certain things, but you can create like an expertise in something pretty niche these days, literally from like watching YouTube videos, which is kind of cool. 100% like what Adam said there about six months is like, think about how,
0: how long actually six months is. If you went deep into brain surgery for six months, you would know so much more than the average person on the street. And you probably could start a blog or or a podcast or something about, brain surgery if you if you actually put six months research into something
2: i, I mean <laughs> there's something about us all sitting around the table being like we could do that but isn't
0: that the beautiful thing about being a
1: multi-hyphenate is it's true
0: that the possibilities is like whatever
2: yeah
0: is exciting yeah.
1: To you. i think the it's only true. problem there is i don't know how many videos on youtube there are about brain surgery it's not we should start a channel <laughs> let's learn some <laughs> who stuff who
2: can learn the most <laughs> yeah. but it is true and also i i find that quite refreshing because it means that we all get to start again like we all get to start from zero in whatever we want to and learn i think yeah.
1: there's kind of like an exponential curve of the way you learn as well like those first few months you learned so much compared to the second six months third six months fourth six months it like So it's that first bit is just really fun because you're just getting so much knowledge because it's like to get the basics is like that's the fun and interesting thing. I think getting the basics of loads of different things is will just benefit you in a million different ways.
2: Totally. I mean, you must find it from doing the podcast. Like my brain feels just so much more full of useful information now that I've interviewed all these amazing people. I'm like... I do do the podcast for the audience and the listeners, but I kind of do it for myself first. And I I think that's okay. Yeah. But um, but back to the the being an expert thing, I what I find funny is that sometimes you can become actually quite knowledgeable in something. And this thing happens when you learn about something, you assume everyone else knows it. And just because it's like the opposite of arrogance, you're like, oh, I know that, but I'm sure everyone else does. And for me, I had to like learn or have other people tell me like, no, no, you you could make a video on that or maybe you could talk a bit about that. And I'd be like, no, no one would find that interesting. And I did a Skillshare video uh, this year for the first time which is like a kind of online learning platform and i was like no one's going to watch my video and and i was just talking about stuff i'd learn um in terms of kind of starting a side hustle and things like that and i had like 12,000 students on it like all messaging me being like that was like i really liked that some of it they were like oh yeah that like some of it was a bit basic some of it was like really good but but i was like oh my god i i didn't know that would be useful so I think sometimes you kind of have to be, you have to test the water and, and like see what people want to know more about.
0: Definitely. Yeah, we always talk about that, especially when we when we go into universities and stuff and you realise how much you learn in nine years that you just sort of think everyone knows. And, and we sort of really try and start from the basic basics. Don't we? Yeah,
1: because sometimes things um, will be like, oh, this is really interesting. We should talk about this. But then realising they don't even know the foundations to get to that point. And having to like it's like because you sometimes only have an hour to talk to people, not being able to get into those deep kind of really interesting things that you learn further along the line, can get really hard. You just like oh, I really want to tell you more, but you need to know the basics first.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You Can't jump I ahead. I mean,
1: through so we've we've done a university tour um, last
0: year. And That's so cool. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, yeah, it was with Adobe, and they sent us to a bunch of different unis. And
2: what are students like these days? Um, Do you feel like?
0: That's a really good question, actually. If
2: Anything's changed?
0: Yes, definitely. I feel like... Um, I feel like... Maybe it's because our sample size is people who've chosen to come to a lecture after hours. So... They are engaged already. The learners. Um, they are yeah. the learners, yeah. But I, I just felt really overwhelmed with sort of the energy and the willingness to learn and, um, and the following through as well. So... There, like Glasgow, by far and away, the students there were just incredible. And um, like follow-up messages that I've had from Glasgow Uni students, it's just like, okay, you you're really serious about doing this, which is that's great. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Um, so it felt it felt different to when I was at uni, but maybe that's just because I was with the lazy crowd who wouldn't have gone to an after-hours yeah. lecture.
2: I wonder if that's sort of maybe the positive side of this like hyper-connected you know, God knows how many podcasts and YouTube and, and everything is out there. It's almost like, oh, I can do anything. Yeah. And I know you can be paralysed by choice. Some people are like, I don't want this many options. Like, just give me the brochure. Like, what am I doing? But yeah. then if I knew, and I had all these role models when I was at uni, because when I was at uni, I just, I don't know, like I had Facebook. Blogging was just beginning, but I didn't have this like wealth of, inspiration i don't think
0: yeah yeah there's yeah there's so much and um and it's aspirational as well we can see people who because before so 10 years ago oh it would be more now but like 12 13 years ago when i was at uni um the there were the gatekeepers and the heroes that we were looking at were the chosen ones who've been put on the bbc or wherever um whereas now people are seeing like instagram and podcasts and whatever it may be and and i think that's a lot more um they gain a lot more sort of inspiration from that.
2: Yeah. Like everything's been leveled a bit, which is so good.
1: I don't know if it's almost like, because we used to kind of like slag off unis for like not supporting people in like going into freelancing or going to things on their own. And then we did these talks and then we did another thing that was like a full day talk to a bunch of people who were going, who wanted to go into that. I was like, oh, okay, actually those things do exist. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that's just because it's got so far around, everyone's like, oh, it's so annoying they don't teach that then they're like okay well there's a gap there Uh, let's plug that hole
2: yeah
0: and you mentioned you mentioned your podcast there I think for for us one of the best kind of side effects of it is that we've read so many books that we maybe wouldn't have been exposed to or wouldn't have I'm not gonna say wouldn't have had time to because we've read them so we have had the time but we wouldn't have made the time to to listen to I don't know if you've found that of
2: yeah Yeah, it's funny as well because in this world of like so many different creators, I just find authors like my favorite people to interview on the podcast just because there's this like physical thing that once you've listened to the conversation, you can kind of go and like buy or download or uh, I don't know. I I mean, I obviously interview other people, but there's something about getting that catalog of like what books are coming out that year, and I'm starting to get them through for well for 2020 and um. Just seeing the trends, like seeing what's like really big, like Mm -hmm. astrology, um, women without children, um, like witchcraft and like nature and climate change. And I just I kind of love books for that. Like it's the only thing I think still traditionally that gives us a bit of an insight into like culturally what people are reading up on. But then in between that, obviously, there's way more exciting things as well.
0: It seems like your podcast exploded uh, in 2019 as well.
2: It did. And um, I mean, it's funny because I think I have this weird rebellious thing, which is good for this podcast, (laughs) um, that now they're really cool and trendy. I'm like... I don't want to do mine anymore, (laughs) which obviously I do. I still love it. It's a really incredible platform to have and reaching that many people and reaching that many people from like a notification on an iPhone versus like tweeting and Instagramming. It's like, you you must obviously see this as well. Like you put out the episode and before you've even spread it around the internet, like doing your tweets, you've already got downloads and it's so direct. So it's incredible. But I I am getting that kind of like, what am I going to do next feeling? But... I mean, podcasts, like, I mean, the Ricky Gervais one, that, that was in like 2005 yeah, to
1: that uni, or something. Yeah. So
2: I'm like, they're not going anywhere and it's still super exciting, but there's something inside of me going, you've done it for three years, the magic number, kind of, what are you going to do to freshen it up a bit, I think.
1: What are you going to do?
2: I don't know. I do not know. But all I know is I still love it and interviewing people and getting paid for it is just insane. Like, it's the best job in the world. Yeah. Getting,
1: getting paid to learn from the most amazing people yeah. around. Yeah, because you've... I mean, this
0: year, you've had people like Dolly Alderton, Mrs. Hinch, Richard E. Grant, Jamila Jamil. Yeah. Like, literally It's insane. S- stars.
2: It's just so cool, because I'm basically doing the job, sort of, that I did at Condé Nast when I worked at Glamour Magazine. You email anyone, really, and say, I'd love to interview you, and they're like, oh, cool, I'd love to be in the magazine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, to have that... And I'm not saying... Well, like, actually, I don't think I've had anyone say no. And if they have said no, it's because kind of, of a really good reason. And I'm yeah. like, wow, to be in a position where you have like a good pitch, like I have got yeah. a good email that's like, here's why you should come on it. And I just, that's like a major privilege, I think, especially in this industry where it's hard to cap, like capture people's attention.
1: Is there anyone you haven't got yet who you really, really want to interview?
2: Yes well I'm going to say it out loud because I believe in the spoken word as our friend I'm saying friend we've both met her once but we love you Marie Forleo um (laughs) Oprah because I I just think she is she's so cool and I think she's a real multi-hyphenate inspiration because she's an interviewer obviously like an incredible like the best host but she's also like a really amazing creative in her own right, because I think sometimes people can like categorize you as like the person that does the interviewing, but it's like she she's just so she's just many Oprah. things. Yeah, she's Oprah. Yeah, and actually I think that's really what the multi hyphen stuff was about. Is like, what if you don't need labels? What if you're yourself? And like, she is the embodiment of that. I think. Yeah, definitely. Like you can do what you want.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um you touched there on on getting paid for it like how um how does it form part of your business the podcast
2: well surprisingly a lot now because when I started it um as with most things you know you you do it because you want to try it out and it was like 2016 I was like I'll do eight episodes to um accompany my book control or delete like a marketing tool basically so I was quite like well, not business savvy because I really wasn't going to make any money off it, but it was like for a purpose. And um, I guess brands like started like, you know, dipping a toe in like maybe six months to a year after I did it. And then, I mean, now it's like, who wouldn't sponsor a podcast? Like you're literally on the tube with like 50,000 people in a morning. Like, you know, I would really have a debate with someone if they were going to be like, telling me that TV or a billboard is like more powerful than that. I'm like, I or, or even radio. I'm like, you're literally so intimately with that person. And like, it's not all about advertising to people, of course not. But, you know, I believe that the podcast listener community are actually quite forgiving of ads. Yeah. I've done some de- like surveys and basically what people say is, I get it, I'm getting 40 minutes to an hour of like amazing content. I'm willing like the payment I'm going to make is like fast forwarding your annoying ad <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or listening to it and uh, using the codes. Um, but it's like, that's the sort of relationship and people are fine with it. Yeah. So yeah, I make money off my podcast now and it doesn't feel icky. It feels, it feels fine. It yeah. feels good. Do you
1: ever, did you ever have a debate with that? Like, a, oh, do I do it? Do I not?
2: No, I think. I mean, I I followed a lot of American podcasts, and you know when it's like Squarespace. Like I kind of weirdly got attached to the ads, and like you remember in Serial with the Mailchimp one, I was like the ads are kind of part of the like the fun of it, and 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 I like I don't expect people to work for free, not up to a point. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of felt like. I think it's pretty normal. Um, When you're watching a YouTube video, sometimes you get a bit interrupted with an ad. I don't know. I mean, if someone wants to give me an alternative model, I would love to do that. I would actually really love to try like a paid for sort of Netflix-y type thing. Yeah, so I think it's really exciting for creators at the moment. Like there's so many things we can all try. And um, like there's something called Substack, I think it's called. Yeah, and I spoke to the founder um, about maybe setting up one of those. And it's like, yeah a paid for newsletter um I don't know I think content doesn't like sometimes we need to pay for stuff and can't pay for everything because like that would be you know it is insane like I have a New York Times subscription Telegraph subscription what else do I have like premium subscriptions to all sorts of things and like it comes to a point where you're like I can't actually fit in another one but for stuff I enjoy I'm willing to pay for it like Netflix
1: yeah the only kind of things that I, I subscribe to the, the the standard Spotify, Netflix and things like that. Um, but then there'll be people who I subscribe to, like on Patreon, for example, who I'm like, I just really like your content yeah. and I'm getting it for free all the time. <laughs> so I'm prepared to pay for that.
2: I love Patreon.
1: I think it's such a good yeah, model. Yeah.
2: A friend of mine actually is um, big on Instagram. Instagram stories <coughs> is like her thing. And people kind of watch it like a bit of a TV show. Yeah. Like she's she's really good on Instagram stories. And she set up a Patreon page and you can do like, I don't know what it's called, but you can upload like little videos and it's very much like Instagram stories. So she now gets paid to just Instagram story her life. I mean, it is it is 100%. mad. It is it is a little bit black mirror. And also it's not easy for everyone. That's one thing that actually you can't go around saying everyone could set up a Patreon because she can do that because of the followers she's built over years and things like that
1: and everyone doesn't have the talent to set up a patreon it's like instagram is free and everyone can go on it and but the amount of instagram accounts are out there that are just awful just full of like people's own personal things that like is for them and it's never going to grow an audience
2: but you never know it could if it's like we if i don't know i've got i've been thinking a lot about like subjective things and how like I sometimes think that if I could name something that I hate and is like the worst thing in the world, I feel like there could be like a couple hundred people that all really like. it. <laughs> like maybe they could do Patreon.
1: <laughs> maybe I
0: feel like with Patreon, you have to you have to build that that loyalty. That yeah, you have to. You almost have to have been working for them for free for such an amount of time that they almost feel bad for for not supporting you that's Um, true because i know there's a lot of creators that adam follows that if they bring out a set of filters for example he'll download them and not ever use them but just to support that creator because it's something that they're making um
2: it's cool as a bonus thing but i also feel i've been thinking a lot about how Something like Patreon exists now because so many platforms have almost gone away, yeah. like for example, if you're a writer and you used to have a column in a magazine that doesn't exist anymore, mm. um what you're gonna do really because there's, there's hardly any magazines and yeah. if and if and if there's a few magazines they've they've already got their columnists, so like you're just like oh i don't I don't do what I used to do anymore, so maybe I could do a column on Patreon. It's kind of I don't know, it's almost like a signal of our times as well, maybe. Yeah.
1: I think as well because so many people follow thousands of people, but you don't ever see all of their content now because there's two thousand posts a day that you can't you don't have the time to flick through. Mm. So it's like you could just mute everyone and unfollow everyone, but people just won't. But so by having something like a Patreon feed that is like everything on there you've paid for, it's like this curated news or curated content feed. Yeah. So you can pick everything that's going to be on there.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I also have a thing where I really don't ever want to spread myself too thin. And I feel like um, I've actually got a Patreon page, but it's like there and it's it, it's kind of a bit dormant. But I feel like sometimes you do have to pick a few things and really focus. And if you have like eight different things you're trying to manage, it can be it can be like really insane. And then you're kind of not doing one, either of them very well. I don't how, know. Do you,
1: how do you decide what to pick and what not to
2: well I think the podcast is like my main focus now to be honest so I'm going with that and if someone's like oh do you want to do a video series or do you want to do this I'm like well I would prefer to just do it on the podcast like kind of just bring everything back to the thing I know I'm good at and that's working well and sometimes you I think sometimes you kind of have to just like look at what's working and what's not and just kind of like go with it um not overthink it too much
1: how much time do you give it before you say, oh no, that's not working?
2: Well, that's a good point. Because I guess I know, know <laughs> there's a three year thing. Sometimes you're just like, this really just yeah. needs to go. And there's nothing wrong with giving up on stuff. Mm. I feel like we've got such a stigma against this whole like quit, like you're a quitter. It's like, yeah, I quit it. And I'm a winner because yeah. I quit that weird, horrible Isn't... thing that wasn't working. <laughs> um, Yeah. Some things don't work. And do you know what? There's so many things I've tried and that have failed. And I actually got, you know, that on Facebook thing, it does the like seven years ago today. I keep getting these like six years ago today, seven years ago today, you, you launched this website. I'm like, what? And it's like this weird idea I had where I was like, I'm gonna do a magazine based on this. And it's like, I've had so many things I've done and then deleted or like trialed and it like did not work. And it's like, everyone only sees the things that I've done that have worked. And then they yeah. assume like, oh, it all just worked for yeah. you. Oh,
1: you were just lucky. These things just the f- first time you did them, they just took off and they were great.
2: Yeah. But then also I think I've got a selective memory because I don't, rem- I don't remember those websites. <laughs> so I clearly, if it doesn't work, I'm like, erase it. Like gone.
0: That's good. You don't dwell on it.
2: I don't dwell on it at all. I almost think it's part of it. And if, I don't know, it's just like, I think, I don't think like anyone owes me anything. Like as in, if it doesn't work, like for example, if I launched Patreon and like no one wanted to go on it, that's not like, that's not yeah. their fault. Yeah, yeah, Like no one owes me <laughs> yeah. payment for my work. Like I, d- I just feel like, that if it works, great. I'm doing something of value. Let's carry on going.
0: What would you say then, since we spoke last, what would you say that you have um, learnt in the last
2: year? Oh, uh, well, that's, a, that's a good question. I think I've learnt. It's quite a depressing answer, though. That's okay, isn't it? Sure. Let's see where it goes. I think that you never stop learning, but also it doesn't really get easier. Right. So, I've just written another book. I spent the whole year writing it. Um, it was literally like my first book. A Novel. It's like nothing ever. It's like nothing I've done beforehand mattered. And I was like, back to square one. I was like, on the floor learning. Um, I don't know, like, it, it's just going back to the start every time you do a creative project. Is I that- always thought, I thought that you like, it's like a building block and you like stack things up and then things get easier because you're nearer to like your goals. But I was back to the start. Do you
1: reckon that's because you moved to a slightly different thing? If you wrote another non fiction book, do you reckon that would have been easier or do you reckon that would have been more difficult too? So this is a new thing.
2: Yeah. So I think I've realized that as well, because I wrote another nonfiction project, which is called Sabotage. It was like a little book that I did on Kickstarter. And um, that was hard as well. Like everything, I just feel like maybe it's a writing thing. It might be very specific to writing, but I just, I feel like even though I'm 10 years in, which I keep talking about, like being, getting to this point of like feeling like I know what I'm doing, ironically every project is is hard but it's like maybe that isn't depressing maybe that is actually quite uplifting that actually like it's going to be like this forever and that's okay
0: it's the war of art yeah yeah it's this is this is it this is why we do it yeah but having said that i think had you not written control or delete you think you would have found your novel olive much harder right
2: if i hadn't written it yeah maybe i think so yeah what confidence-wise, or confidence and just like learning to write, just write. Like yeah. I think you just have to write books,
1: right, in order to to get better. i think Even knowing, yeah. like, because didn't you go and write most of it in Margate? Yes. So it's like knowing that you should get out to a space to be on your own to be able to do that. If you, if that was your first book, you probably wouldn't have had that mentality.
2: Yeah, mm. maybe what I mean by that is well that the self-inflicted um, mental battle doesn't get better. Like as in, I had a confidence crisis writing it like I did with the second book, like I did with the first book. As in, it's a part of the process. And it's like every time I start something new, I think it will be easier mentally or Mm -hmm. that I will be like finding it just like easy and like lighting a candle, sitting by a fire. Basically, it's like it's physically kind of full on. And like now I know that because I've done it three times now. So I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, that'll happen again.
1: I wonder if it's easy if you'd get bored of it though.
2: Yeah, like the challenge. But also, um, oh, someone sent me a quote today. I can't remember who it's by. So sorry if it's you, listening. <laughs> um, but it was something about how there is no right way, except for the hard way, or something. It was like basically, if you feel like you're sh- you're doing a shortcut, that's a bad sign. And yeah. like things are hard. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, like, doing the work is um, is not getting easier. But I interviewed Sharon Horgan today, actually. She's incredible. I think she's in her mid-40s, maybe older, and she, she was just, like, I'm in the middle of a new project and it's really hard. And it's, like, she's someone that's created iconic TV shows. Like, no one sits back and goes, look at what I've done. Everyone's just, <laughs> yeah. like, in that moment of, like, creating something new again. But... I don't know I feel like I know that now so that's fine yeah
0: yeah and I I was thinking when you were saying it's just about writing like it's not just writing because I I find it with painting and I'm definitely a better painter now than I was 10 years ago but it's still challenging and it's still hard and um and I suppose I do try and get myself out of the the comfort zone of painting what I know I'm I'm good at painting and trying to Mm. paint the stuff that I find harder because then that's when 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 that resistance comes is when you're building up the new skills and things are gonna things are gonna grow so
2: yeah and I think that's the um definitely the case for just life in general like oh, I had to have like a few like difficult phone calls recently to do of work like nothing major but just like a bit of a bit of like a grown-up chat like a bit of a sort of I don't know, you know, those just conversations sometimes in business that you have to have. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, that felt really like scary that I had to do that. And then I was like, oh, but that was something that you'd never done before and and, like you're learning. And I just think whenever you feel like that was really hard or that was really scary, it's kind of like, well, you've done it now and it won't be as scary the next time.
0: Yeah, definitely. How have you, because as people, we love to pigeonhole and put labels on everyone how have you managed to go from writing essentially what I suppose a self-help book to writing a novel and being allowed to do so by the world
2: well I mean this is kind of like the first ever interview I've done really even talking about it because it's not coming out till June which will come around really quickly but um I was so scared because it was not a guaranteed thing and no book deal ever is. I mean, nothing ever is, no creative project ever is. And that's why it's scary. That's why you can be like an Oscar winning film director and be, and like wake up in the middle of the night probably being like, will I ever make anything again? Um, So the thing is, I actually did have a strategy in my head and I think I am a bit more ahead of myself than I think I am sometimes. Like I was like, right, okay. You're gonna write the multi-hyphen method You're going to tell everyone that you can do multiple things and it's okay. And then you're going to do a sharp turn and totally like reinvent yourself as a novelist. (laughs) And I was like, I really hope this works. And then so when I was writing the novel in Margate, um, the thing with novels is you have to write the whole thing to be taken seriously. You can't write it on the back of a like cigarette packet and be like, here's my amazing idea because with a non-fiction book um you can actually get a book deal off like an amazing proposal which is like five pages right if you're lucky mostly you do have to write like sample chapters but for for the multi-hyphen method my proposal's pretty short and it was like please let me write this and they give you the money and then you have to write it with a, with this novel it was like go and write it and then if it's good like the whole thing then we we'll, we might give you a book deal so it's like I mean, I spent the whole year, like basically um, every single weekend and any, you know, cause I have like a full-time job now as well with the podcast and like all my other stuff. So I was back to having a side hustle. Like I was back to being that person who was trying to carve out time for their, mm. for their passion. I was literally back to being like my 22 year old self working in a job I hated, except for I don't hate the other parts of my <laughs> job now. But it was, it was so like kind of, I don't know, it was like a feeling of, yeah, you got to earn your stripes again. So I went back to the beginning, which is kind of what I meant when I was saying, you know, things just keep going back to the beginning. With the book,
1: did you have anyone who might be interested before you started? Or did you just have to write the full thing and then take it door to door and say, buy this off me?
2: So, yeah, I wrote the whole thing. And my agent, Abby, is amazing. She um, sent it out to maybe 12 people. And then you kind of get offers coming in. Some people want you to change the whole thing. Some you, Someone wants you to have, like, a happy ending. Someone else wants you to um, change, I don't know, a character. Um, and then some people don't want you to change anything. And you basically have, like, loads of meetings and everyone says what they think. Some people obviously say they don't want it. And then um, you kind of pick the best home for it. And I, I was so lucky that I went with HarperCollins because they are just... They are, like, the dream. Like, there's, in my mind, no one better, so... It all worked out, but it was a year of like working for free, essentially, again.
1: For something okay. that might turn into nothing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's terrifying. Again,
1: pushing yourself out of the comfort zone.
2: Yeah, but it is, it is, um, it is very vulnerable putting your work out there, isn't it? Because that was putting my work out there to like the industry. That wasn't like Amazon reviews. That was like people i respect mm. reading my first draft like i felt so sick because they matter to yeah. me everyone matters but like they kind of know they really know what they're yeah. talking about so if none of them wanted it it would have been i don't know i would have had, i would have had to like i would have been really kind of quite gutted um quite deeply by that but i would have had to try and write another one
0: yeah so in the book is is it um are there autobiographical elements to it have you like there's an aunt who you've kind of based the character off or is it all totally totally fiction or are you not allowed to say i mean it's to- <laughs> it's
2: totally fiction like every single character is is like totally made up but it's almost like a frankenstein thing where it's like parts of everyone you've ever met or yeah. a part of your friend and a part of your sister and a like an annoying trait from someone you met once in the pub like it's kind of um like a lot of mismatch kind of ideas thrown in together if that makes sense but but each character is like living and breathing in my head like I feel like I know them now
0: Yeah, I mean I've never written a novel but I so I don't know if this is what you're supposed to do but do you like plan out a character and go all right so this is Alice and she's 29 she can't wait till she's 30 and she's got like and she has tea at this time every morning and like do you plan out exactly like a backstory for them before yeah even putting them in a situation so
2: i started writing it and i was like i know these people i made them up and then my agent was like can you just do some character profiles because it would help me to read it to know just a bit more about them and i was like okay fine and then i realized that um that actually, I should have done that. I should have done that right at the beginning because it was so useful. Like, they were in my head, but writing down, like, their star sign and, like, their relationship with their parents and the Spotify playlist that they're playing at the moment and, um, like, just all these little quirks and, like, their favourite quote. Like, it was amazing because then every time I was writing that character, I'd be like, oh, yeah, she would say that, she wouldn't say that. Or, like, she's too cynical for that. Or like she's the motherly figure so she would be more like this yeah so yeah I, I mean I really really recommend anyone who's trying to write a novel um do all of that stuff which I know is boring like I didn't want to do that stuff I was like no I just want to write it but it's like do the character outlines and do the chapter summaries and like give yourself a skeleton because it's just so helpful
1: how did you learn to write it
2: um did you just kind
1: of wing it and go with it or did you kind of do a lot of research into how to write a fiction book
2: yeah I read I did read all the books that were like how to write a novel <laughs> um and like you can I kind of read them and like certain bits I'd skim over and be like oh yeah whatever but like you have to read them and I think I was that person that kind of wanted to rebel against the whole you know like save the cat you know that book that's like this is how a film is and you know when like film geeks are like oh at this point in the film there's going to be a point of no return and at this point all is lost and at this point and it's like someone can ruin a film for you because they will be like ah and now she's gonna go and now happy and like they know it and i was like you're ruining art for me because you're just like you know all of the bit, the, the peaks and the troughs. And so I kind of didn't want to read those books because I was like, I just want to write a story. Yeah. But I hate to say it, those story structures are there for a reason. And I don't know, it does help. And we do need a big beginning, middle and end. And we do need things to kind of um, all, you know, uh, all the loose ends to tie up at certain points. So yeah, I did read all those books, but I also feel like... Um, you know, doing something a bit different is good as well. Like my favourite books are A Slice of Life, you know, those types of books where nothing really happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like the Sally Rooney kind of books, even though maybe she would be offended if I said that. But I'm, what I mean is like, there's no like murder mystery. <laughs> it's like the interior day, lies... day in the
1: life of someone rather than yeah. like something massive has happened and then explaining that.
2: Exactly. It's like the domestic home kind of interiors of that, that person, their relationship. So character-driven stories are my favourite, um, and that's what I've done.
1: Are you now that annoying person in films that's going to tell you exactly what's going to happen next?
2: Well, now I feel like every film's ruined for me. It's,
1: I'm Scene behind the car. Because as you were saying yeah. that, I got an absolute flashback to being in, like, year eight at school and my English teacher talking to us and being like, since studying English, now she can't really read books anymore oh. because she analyses everything all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. There is a certain, like, knowing too much is kind of like, it kind of ruins everything <laughs> for you. But I don't know. I can still watch films. I just don't want to be reminded, like, I don't want someone, like, pointing it out to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you feel about the term jack of all trades?
2: still really negative, isn't it? It's still, like, people aren't, aren't up for it. But it... I, I feel like I've tried to do my best to turn it into a bit of a... But the thing is, is I, I still don't think it's necessarily, necessarily good to like do like 15 different things, which I feel like a jack of all trades is like someone who just literally like does whatever, like bits and bobs. I still believe in like having a craft, but I just believe you can have a few.
1: I think it's almost, I've listening to a podcast recently and they were talking about, it's almost like if you said like zero is no knowledge and hundred is expert getting like above 75 percent a number of things rather than because if jack of all trades i'd say it might be 10 percent at 50 things which they're never really going to be particularly good at anything but as soon as you hit 75 percent good at anything if you're good at three or four things at 75 percent, then you're pretty damn good and proficient in those
2: yeah yeah it's funny because i think there's a book out at the moment called range haven't read it but um it's by Some guy in America, I think, who's, like, really, really brainy. And it's about the scientific reasons why we're good... Why it's a benefit to have a range of skills. And, like, I feel like he's writing what I wrote, but, like, people are taking it more seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's, like, been marketed as this, like... I don't know, like, less self-helpy and more, like, I'm a researcher. Yeah. So... I don't know. It's funny because with that book, like the multi-hyper method like has done really well. Like a lot of people have read it. A lot of people haven't liked it. A lot of people have liked it, but it's like, I almost don't care anymore. Like what the actual book represents in terms of like, is it a good or bad book? I'm like, I just felt like I threw a little grenade of an idea out there and it like got people talking and actually that's all I wanted. Like I just wanted to go, what about this? And then run away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, (laughs) that you know it's 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 sparked something so I'm happy with that
1: what kind of feedback have you got from that book
2: well I mean I've I mean I have really lovely emails that are like just so you know I read your book a year ago and like my whole life has changed and um just your book I mean I think they know they would have done it anyway they would have done it anyway I haven't done anything but the book gave them some sort of permission to do it um I have people who are like, oh, someone came in for a job interview and they mentioned your book and like how they're at that job interview because of your book. Like those like really amazing stories. But then I've had like people who find it like highly offensive (laughs) that I would even say that you could live your life this way. And and like, you know, people just really disagreeing with it and being like, no, we should all be good at one thing. And it's like, that's not wrong. Like And I don't mind what you do with your life. But, you know, in a world where, like, graduates are coming out of the world and the world is slightly different, I'm just like, here's my book to add to the pile. Like, here it is if you want to. Um, Yeah, I'm not, like, on a campaign trail for, like, everyone to be a multi-hyphenate. Like, definitely not.
0: It's funny how people would take their time to let you know that, Mm. that that they've read it and that they disagree with it. I think it's yeah I think going in it's fairly clear of if you want to maybe consider a new type of working this is the book for you but if you weren't thinking that in the first place probably not the right book to buy
2: yeah it's weird like I you know I get I do get really weird comments um it's like someone literally knocking on your front door and being like I don't want to be here go away (laughs) it's like you're at my house you know like I didn't make you read it um but I, I genuinely take it as a compliment. I I just, maybe this is another thing about being 30 is I can see things so much more clearly now. What, you're 30? I'm 30. Oh, God. And it's like, maybe maybe a piece of work might mean something if like a lot of people don't like it as well. Mm. I don't know. I, ju- I just feel like sometimes that conflict of like some people liking it and some people not and like quite extremely kind of means something.
0: I suppose work is a very emotional topic for people. Yeah. Um, and for those people that are really burdened with the nine to five that don't see any other any other route than that. Yeah. Um, I guess they see it as offensive that people would suggest that they're doing the wrong thing um, or, or to take it that they're doing the wrong thing. And I think it's really yeah. not that. It's just showing that in this... Weird 2020 world that we live in. There are so many different ways that you can go.
2: Yeah, and that's it. And I feel like it's not actually my responsibility <clears throat> to have an answer to like the way the government is run, or like the fact that companies treat their employees like shit, and the fact that there are zero hour contracts. Like I didn't do that. That's literally like someone genuinely has the power to change that. Mm. I I mean. I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not going into politics. (laughs) Um, So it's like, I wrote the book, I put some ideas out there and it's almost like, let the conversations begin. What can we do to change things rather than criticizing a book that, I don't know, just like genuinely wants to start a conversation. So I've enjoyed the criticism, genuinely. Like if I'm on a panel and someone's like, I've got a problem with it, I'm like, come in, like let's chat because you've got a good point. And like the world is kind of screwing us over at the moment you know you can be a multi-hyphenate by choice if you and maybe it is a privileged thing to be honest that you might have got yourself into a situation where you could I don't know have the spare time for a side hustle or I don't know like maybe you went to a better school that literally taught you how to manage your money better or you know there's life is so unfair in many ways but there's also the side of it where people are being forced into doing multiple things when actually they want one stable job. Yeah. So it's such a complex conversation. Um, but I kind of wanted to write the book and then run away from it. And now it's like following me. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, you better have some answers to this stuff. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a hard one as well because... With like someone like Elizabeth Gilbert, for example, like when she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and that was really successful. Not to compare myself, I haven't sold as many copies as that. But like people were angry; they were like, "Well, you can go to like Italy and find yourself. What about what about me?" And so I think when people might look at my story, they might be like, "Oh, easy for you to just quit your job," but they, I don't think the whole story can be communicated like in a in a little nutshell like that.
0: Yeah, but then that's why you have the podcast, is because the podcast explores those theories just in a more long form content so you can have a whole episode where mostly you're talking about how to have a buffer in the bank before you do step out of your job and you can lay down the important stuff that and yeah. go into more depth with it
2: which happened to me and and because like the, the multi-hyphen method is all or almost like the anti just quit your job but because it's actually yeah. like a don't quit your job do things on the side like patch together some extra income that's what i did but um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a funny one because I feel like in the last year, I've entered that self help world for a bit, and what I've realised is people want a quick fix, yeah. and what I and what I've realised is I couldn't offer that, and no one can offer that. No one can offer that, and I kind of found myself at these events, like quite American guru, fix your life events, and right. I was like, I actually want to tap out of this. Yeah, for sure, because I. I just don't want to sell books based on that sort of empty promise because this isn't of like five steps to changing your life book. It's not, it's a like, here's an idea, but like you like, this is such a unique perspective. No, sorry. It's a unique reading experience because everyone's different. Yeah. So like it, it, no, basically no book and no podcast and sorry, no like retreat can change your life overnight
0: hundred percent. And I, I get a little bit angry in a way because in many ways, and I know all three of us around this table do love him, but Tim Ferriss is an absolute genius in getting people to buy his products. And one way that he does that is he knows that everyone wants the quick fix. So he calls his book mm. the four hour work week.
2: Yeah. that's simply
0: to sell billions of copies of it, which it has done.
2: Yeah,
0: But I mean, we all know that there's no such thing as a four hour work week. Yeah. And even when you read the book, it doesn't really get down to four
1: hours. So it's- yeah,
2: I know. And and I, unfortunately, my book was on, was on the shelf with those books because it is like a how to, but it's like, here's a little seed, but you have to then yes. yeah. do what you want with it.
0: Yeah, there's no magic pill. No. It's almost like yeah, if we if we write a book, it'll be have you got a spare three years, and it will sell no copies. <laughs> yeah, like.
2: I wonder if that's the next movement though, of like anti. I mean, there are those books that are like how to not give a fuck or something. But I just I don't know. I felt like I entered the world and I left the world because like I just feel so icky thinking that someone is gonna get some sort of like magic potion. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't want to sell books that way. I want someone to buy it and, and just be like, oh, that gave me like, a few, like I, I underlined a few things and like it, it made me think of something in a new way and actually it led to this thing. That That's like the most amazing situation. Or someone reads it and goes, hmm, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm a multi-hyphenate, cool. <laughs> like, that's fine.
1: It's even nice just to, oh, well, that's what you call it then.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: I think what you were saying there about how there might be a bit of a backlash to that, I think... That a lot of the feedback we've had from our show because we don't say to anyone it's going to be easy it's going to be quick is like thanks for giving us like practical advice and I think that's the way things seem to be moving not just like a oh go and do this this one little hack is going to change your life completely it's like no like because David refers to the show a lot like a course where you can come and listen to it you might listen to 100 episodes and then you can start something someone might just need one or two but it's that little push over the over the edge to give people the confidence to go and start something and then it's like actually just go with it like it's gonna take a lot of time but that's fine never like if it was easy everyone would do it
2: yeah and it's like the confidence to carve your own path more than copy and paste someone else's side you know someone else's because I think that's another thing I've become slightly um like allergic to actually is like panels where just one person tells their story like that can be nice that can be inspiring but I I think it's more useful to just be like, so here's some practical things rather than here's what I did because not everyone can like replicate that or they tell their story, but they don't frame it in a, you can do it too. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's, there's a slight issue. I, I have an issue with that, of people going paying money to go to an event and it being sold as like, here's the answer. Whereas it's just someone's story. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I suppose it's that, it's that human need of, of wanting to achieve Achieve things without putting the effort in, um, which then again comes back to comfort zone and wanting to feel comfortable, and it's all we're weird creatures.
2: Yeah, and we're we're scared as well, yeah. and I think a lot of blocks with creativity all comes down to fear. I think we're just really petrified, and you know, what if it doesn't work out? I mean, I was, I felt like I could have experienced what it might have felt like waiting to see if my novel was going to be mm. was going to happen like if 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 it didn't i would have felt that that actual fear that i was scared of which is your work shit no one wants it you just wasted a year but like that is the reality for a lot of people it's reality for me with projects that haven't worked out and then you get over it but it's like it, it does take a slight element of bravery it's like a different kind of bravery, like you wouldn't find me like hiking through a desert, but I think I can be on that like spectrum of like let's give it a go
0: and I think you you've built that up over time, haven't you because pushing publish on your very first ever blog post was probably a little bit like it's almost like putting a diary out there because I, mean, I know you've actually stood up and read your diary in front of people yeah so it's like it's having that that courage of saying because I mean cr- your first book control or delete is is very like transparent and it's yeah. like this, these are my truths, this is what I've lived. And and so I suppose it's, yeah, gradually bit by bit, you've shared more, which has given you more confidence to continue sharing yes. because you've not, no one's ever said stop sharing or the, <laughs> well, have. The, the, number, <laughs> it, the number that say keep sharing greatly outweighs the people that say yeah. don't share.
2: That's really true actually. I never thought of it like that. Like I ripped the plaster off quite early on like 20 I was 25 when I wrote that book and like I'm, I'm 30 now <laughs> oh, did you that's... know <laughs> but um yeah I think you kind of just have to keep doing it keep doing it yeah it's
0: like the the rap belt battle in eight mile I know Gary Vee always talks about this of, of like Eminem just comes out and says everything about him and then the other competitors don't have any don't have any ammunition because he's just said it all himself in his own rap so it's like yeah well exactly
2: and it's like what's the worst that can happen like someone sends you sends you an email saying you're like the worst person in the world and then you're like oh okay i'll but i'll carry on living my life then and also i know this is quite deep but the fear of like dying without literally trying anything is far more scary like i would rather get rejected literally like 30 times in the next few years on projects I love than like literally be on my deathbed and be like, you didn't even try.
0: I think the fear of those negative emails coming, like we do all have them, but like they are, like they very, very rarely come. I think we've had two negative emails about the podcast so far. And one of them was, Please, can you not have so many female guests? I find their voices irritating. Oh my God, welcome to
2: my world. Why don't you go fuck yourself, buddy? People literally, well, was it a man? Of course it was. Because men don't like women's voices. Not all all men. men. (laughs) Hashtag. Hashtag not all men. You guys are great. But it's like, I literally got comments being like, you sound like a GCSE project. You say like too much. Oh, fuck off. Things like that. Um, Yeah. I'm glad we've raised that point. I mean, it's it's a thing. But, um, oh, I've lost my trail of thought now, sorry.
0: <laughs> Dickhead guy saying that we have too many female guests. Yes. Oh, I mean, we, about- we probably have more female guests than we do male because females are doing more cool shit at the moment.
2: Well, I love that. Thanks. Um, I have to get more men on mine, actually. Like, I feel like, well, exactly. I need to <laughs> readdress the balance of it now. But um, what I was going to say is something that I do, and I don't know if it's consciously or subconsciously or, like, I don't know um, – I get a really nice email that, like, like a like a really kind of one of those lovely ones that you're almost yeah, like embarrassed yeah. reading it because you're like, yeah. I, ah, <laughs> um, like I get those occasionally, and then I get like horrible ones occasionally, but then I don't believe either of them, yeah. and actually that I find that quite healthy. That's the so best. So I'm way like, to be, I'm not yeah. like I haven't changed your life. You changed your life, and I'm not awful. You're awful. <laughs> 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 and then you're back to like neutral, and I, and that helps me. That's brilliant. I I wish I could do that. I mean, maybe people listening will disagree, but I don't really think you should believe all the good stuff either. Like, I don't think you should believe your own hype because that's the end of you.
0: I just want lots of hype for me.
2: (laughs) I think you need hype. You need hype. But what? who was I talking to recently? An author on my podcast who was like, his book came out and he got all these texts from his friends being like you're amazing well done and he was like I really could have used this when I was like in the depths of my depression writing it like we forget to pep talk each other during and it's and it's like that's when you need it
0: yeah I it seems to me like the stuff you need never comes when you need it it's like now that we're doing this and stuff we've got like we've got companies just throwing all of this free like swag at us and we're just like, where were you in 2010 where this would actually have been useful? Yeah. yeah now yeah. it's just like, we
1: give it away, but. Yeah. Someone sent us a crate of free beer recently and when we started this company, I couldn't afford beer. Like, it would have been lovely to have it nine years ago. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, cool, share this with the office. I hey, know there's beer.
2: something really unfair about, like I always find this with, you know, like big celebrities get free stuff. Yeah. I'm like, they have money. Yeah. Like, why do you give free stuff to rich people? Mm. Don't get it.
0: People who need it need it the least. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's like don't
2: like get a free trip, like on a like a private jet, branded when you could pay for the private jet. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: But then, who are they to say no to that stuff?
2: Well, I feel like Kim Kardashian doesn't need to do sponsored posts on Instagram. Like, surely she's I feel got like enough that's her money. Business. I feel <laughs> yeah. like that's how she
0: keeps rolling. Is like that's her business is. Because I saw her yeah, speaking. Yeah, no, that's true. Because that's half a million pounds. I thought she would make more from more like posts.
2: the TV stuff. So it seems weird to be like doing a little spawn con
0: for them. I think that no money is ever going to be enough. So they will always keep. I don't. I don't know what it is.
2: I and I mean... maybe it's. It's. I think it's when you don't know if your career is short lived. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. maybe they will be around in like fifty years. Um, but if because they're kind of reality, aren't they? And reality stars normally have a shorter window of like yeah. raking in the money
0: yeah but i mean i i just think chris jenner is obviously a business genius um you should get her on the way i'd love to have her <laughs> on actually i think she'd be really interesting yeah, no, she would be. i mean the way that she's created the kylie phenomenon it, like, that kind of eclipses everything that, that Kim's done. I can't believe we're talking about the Kardashians. I know. And what and business the geniuses well. they are. Yeah. They well, are. I mean, they, they are. are. They really are. Yeah. They, are <laughs> they really are.
2: And that's why when people whittle, like, some beauty YouTubers down to just, like, taking the mick out of them, I'm like, no, they're, like, incredible business people. And, like, you could learn from them.
0: I, yeah, I don't think people understand how fucking hard it is, especially to grow a YouTube channel. And and even, like, even the booty models, man, like, they're still... I was gonna say grinding. They're still huffling.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But I mean they are like the work that it goes into, like, firstly maintaining that physique was gonna be exhausting. But then also the amount of work of like community upkeep and stuff, it's like to build an actual loyal following that you have to do more than just than just look good. And the people who maybe are there because they got you into that space because they look good initially, like the ones who are then keeping a sustained following with Engaged with an engaged audience are the people who are doing more than just posting pictures of themselves they're actually like relating to their audience
2: yeah it's a wild wild west out there
1: i was actually watching a video this morning about two youtubers who both did daily vlogs for like three years like every day one of the guys did it every single day for three years. The other one took a few every breaks day? every single day my of his God, life. God, because I, I mean, did a weekly did... podcast and I'm like... Yeah, it's a lot. It's a I've, lot. Our friend did like, I think, three months daily
0: vlogging and it didn't nearly killed him. <laughs> no one watched it, he, but oh. he was just like, he was learning so much through shooting the content and editing in the same day. It taught him so much,
1: but...
2: Oh my God, I just... When do you sit down and just have well, a little rest?
1: Well, that's what he was saying. He was like, um it wasn't until he finished that you could actually read a book because you didn't actually have time to even oh. listen to a book because every day is just like sleep deprivation and you just get into such this rhythm of it. And then yeah. when you're so far down the line, when you're a year in, you're not gonna be like, oh, I'm just gonna stop now.
2: God, that is my worst nightmare. I think I've realized that I wanna do the least amount of work possible. <laughs> no, but I mean, like. In the next book, The Full, have... full Stop
1: Method.
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> How to Not Ever Work. No, I just think. Um, spare time like to think like do you follow Ryan Holiday yeah who i love he reads and he treats reading as like part of his job like going for a walk for 3 hours and thinking is part of his job and i know it's a niche job and i know it's like a privileged job um to be a writer but like that is important and if you're not thinking you you're really going to burn out and like hit a brick wall because without your ideas what are you mm. well <laughs> just, a, just an
0: empty vessel
2: I was gonna put that on a t-shirt without your ideas what are you <laughs> <laughs> um
0: one kind of really practical thing I wanted to ask you I'm sure you probably get this uh, asked this a lot It's something I've been thinking about how to better answer for people so I'd like your feedback um is how do you price how do you learn to price how do you get paid what you're worth
2: well someone once told me that it's like you kind of should like compare yourself to basically being, for example, like a tennis player. Like, are you a beginner? Are you medium? Are you like Premier League, like top, top, top? Like, are you really in the top bracket? You know, like where are you amongst your peers and in the industry? And kind of like talk to people, like talk to your friends. I've got a WhatsApp group with, you know, fellow self-employed people in. We like talk money a lot because we're not saying here's my annual income like here's my salary because i think that's that could be a bit weird like when people are like how much you earn mm. it's like quite intrusive but then saying i just got paid like two well, grand why, but for why this.
0: is it intrusive it's weird though isn't it because it is. it's like we're, we're all on a number like why why do we why should we hide you like you shouldn't be ashamed that your employer is paying you that amount of money like
2: I think it's like shrouded in this mystery through employers wanting you to not talk to each other. Right. I mean, being self-employed, I feel really free to be like, this is how much I earned for this project. Here's what I earned for this. Like in the WhatsApp group being like, by the way, if you work with this brand, like here's what I got paid. Because I feel like that's good for everyone. But I don't know, I really hated that. Like how much do you earn in a year question? Because I was like, well, I don't know. I felt really like it's rude. Yeah.
0: Depends on if you're if you're um, multi-hyphenate as well. It depends on the year.
2: Exactly. I don't think a year sums up your like worth anymore. Like in terms of you can have a really, really good year and then you can kind of dip a bit and then you have a better year. But I think in terms of like what you're charging per project, that's like a better signal of like where you're at. So, um, I mean, I'm really lucky because I have a team now. So I have like an agent. I've got someone who who negotiates my prices for me. I don't really do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got someone who like has her head above it all. And she actually knows industry-wise like what sort of benchmarks are going on. So I actually feel like, she knows so much more than me when it comes to that. And I learn from her. So I'm, I'm really lucky.
0: That's super useful. So we were really struggling with, we we're getting asked to do a lot of speaking gigs and we were like, not sure how much to charge. So what we did, because we'd been do, asked to do the stuff for Apple, the first Apple talk we did, they gave us a free iPad. So we were like an iPad's
1: worth about, uh,
0: what was it? £2,000? No,
1: £1,000. Oh, so they gave an iPad each. So they're yeah, worth iPad. about a grand with a pencil. Yeah. I think it's about 1,100 in product.
0: So we were like, "We're worth two thousand two hundred pounds," and that's what we started charging. And then people were paying it, and we were like, "Oh well, yeah. must, must be right then." <laughs> it's just crazy.
2: I know. So- I was on another podcast recently, and someone was like, "How much should you charge?" or something. And it's such a subjective question. Like, I don't think I don't think you can just say because it's so like dependent on what you've done in the past and like yeah. who you're working with. And I was like, um, the advice I got from Cindy Gallup, who's and ama- amazing woman in tech, she was like, you should get paid the highest amount of number you can say without laughing.
0: Yeah, she said that on our podcast as yes. well. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so I was like, well, I've always thought that. And then the person next to me was like, oh no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't take the mic. You should ask for what you're worth. And I was like, but that is what you're worth. Yeah. Yeah. Because is, they've yeah. said yes to it. And so that whole conversation is really interesting.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. You have been sort of quite public about saying that you want to make loads of money yeah. and you don't you don't hide <laughs> yeah. behind that no, yeah, I, love, I love that
2: yeah I do and also I feel like I'm still working on a few goals of mine and I'm still like working a few things out and I think the reason why I don't like want to completely be like here's the like nuts and the bolts of it is because I'm I kind of want to work it out and then share it if that makes sense and that's kind of just my process and like I don't know. I'm just kind of figuring it out. Like I've actually only been freelance for like three years. Like I'm still at the very beginning of this. Yeah. So um yeah, I I do. And I also think that you can be creatively fulfilled and keep your integrity and get paid like really, really well.
0: Yeah, that's the dream, isn't it, really? I hope so. Yeah. yeah. And it's totally possible.
2: It is. But it's funny because my relationship with money has probably changed because I don't, like if I was obsessed with money and like wanted loads of money, I wouldn't have picked this job. I was, I committed to this job knowing that actually I might just scrape by forever. Um, obviously, you know, being able to pay the bills, being able to pay like living costs. Um, but I signed up to a life of like writing and kind of like covering every, like covering my costs for being happy and like mentally well and not working in an office, which I hated. Um, that's what I signed up for. What I've realized is you can also make money, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm gonna go for that then.
0: Did you did you think you'd ever have a team?
2: No, no, I'm surprised I've 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 got one, and that we're like a happy marriage, three years on because I always thought I was like impossible to work with, and I don't know if that it's not like me putting myself down, but I like wasn't really a team player in 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 my old companies. I was very much like I want to do it this way um but
0: now you're the boss so it does get done your way actually that,
2: yeah that's true actually oh my god I'm not a team player <laughs> <laughs> but then I guess I am in terms of like p- other people and like the friends I've made it's just that like I don't know I, I just want to work by myself really but that's okay
0: um how do you stay creative
2: I read a lot um Uh, and also I feel lucky that I read and it's for my job and I like still enjoy it. Like, you know what you're saying about the English student thing. Like I I'm reading books. I genuinely would read anyway. That is like the goal, like life goal now forever. It's like, I'm actually reading the stuff I want, I would read for free. So I read the books, interview people. Um, I, I think I spoke about this on the last one, but like I go on these like really niche deep dive youtube searches for like weird stuff um like talks that are niche and all that stuff um and I've actually got a book like a notebook where I just write down things like not not like inspirational quotes but just things that have stuck with me and and what I've done is like physically written down a lot of stuff that really inspires me so that I can remind myself because I feel like it goes in and and then it like I feel like the physical act of writing down all the stuff that inspires yeah. me has like really embedded it in me. Like I know like quotes from Big Magic from Elizabeth Gilbert saying that basically everyone is creative and that there is no such thing as bad art. Like I, I do actually believe that deep down that we are all, we are all, we all have the permission to give it a go. So whenever I'm feeling a bit fragile or a bit vulnerable or a bit like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I have this notebook now and it's like everything I believe and everything that peps me up is in there. Amazing. And then I flick Same. through it and I'm like back to feeling great again. So it's very like back to kind of having a bedroom and like putting things on the wall. But like, I feel like I'd lost that physical element. Mm-hmm. Like someone was saying that their teenage son now has like a MacBook Pro and like white walls and like a gaming thing. But and it's like bare, the room is yeah. bare. And my room would be like, oh, you know, Polaroids covered, and like yeah. posters and like collages and and I, I want to get back to being a bit more physical with like things that inspire me. Definitely. So anyway, that's a bit of a weird answer to the question, but, but that is, that's what I'm doing at the moment.
0: No, That was amazing. Well, this has been uh wonderful as always. See you in a oh, year. Oh
2: yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, see you next year. Yeah, See you next year. <laughs> it's
0: a date. And um, where can people find you online? You
2: can find me at emmagannon.co.uk, emmagannon on Twitter, emma gannon uk on instagram um and then my book my novel olive is out in june 2020 so you can pre-order so it really helps authors people don't know this but like pre-order it you won't get charged until it ships but it it shows like a support um to the bookshops and stuff so yeah
0: pre-order olive thank
2: you for having me thanks Thanks so much for coming on
0: thank
1: you thanks so much for listening Get any value from these episodes, it would mean the world to us if you could share the podcast with someone who needs it. You can always reach out to
0: us on Instagram at RebelsCreate or head over to creativerebels.co.
1: And remember, always be creating. See ya.